0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the City of Smack Podcast. I'm Chris Chavez. And this is my show where I get the chance to chat with some of the biggest names on the track, on the roads, within the coaching ranks and across the running industry. We are still riding the high of the U.S. Olympic Marathon trials and all of the fun events that we had with Hoka while in Orlando. The coverage does not stop there. We will be bringing you interviews with some of the top competitors and the newly minted Olympians on the City of Smack Podcast. If you go back in your feed, we've already published episodes with Connor Mance, Clayton Young, Emily Sisson, Jess McLean, Elkanah Cabet. So you can go back and listen to those. I'm sure you'll enjoy them. A quick thanks to anyone who has taken the time to leave a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify. It's Super Bowl week, and we managed to get the City Smack Podcast into the top 50 of all sports podcasts on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Love giving the listeners a shout out when they leave a review. So if you want yours to be read, leave us a five star review and tell us why you love this show. This week's review comes to us from Amy Heebs who wrote, The Sidious Mag team has so much knowledge, experience, and passion when it comes to track and field that it is the gold standard for coverage of the sport. Not only do they keep us up to date with everything happening in the sport, but they make it so much fun to listen to. My absolute favorite episodes are the emergency pods for major events like Worlds. Sidious Mag has helped me become a track and field superfan nerd, and I've never been happier. I have a few extra Sidious Cafe shirts, so reach out to me on Instagram, Amy, and I'll send one your way. I also just got a whole shipment of stickers for anyone who drops a five-star rating. Leave your Instagram handle, and I'll reach out to you and mail you a Sidious sticker. My guest for today's episode is Fiona O'Keefe, the 2024 U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials champion. She ran the fastest marathon debut in American history with a two-hour, 22-minute, and 10-second performance to win and also break the previous marathon trials record held by Shalane Flanagan from 2012. She will be joined at the Paris Olympics by American record holder Emily Sisson and Dakota Lindworm. O'Keefe was so impressive in the Orlando heat and pressed from the front to pull away from her competitors about 19 miles into the race. She ran all of her last few miles under 530, but threw down a 509 at mile 25. That's when I knew the race was over. She ended up winning by more than 30 seconds, and in this episode, we chat about how she mastered her marathon debut, when she knew the 26.2 mile distance was calling, her excitement over the state of U.S. women's marathoning, and of course, we had to ask about the blood on her bib, which was caused by chafing from a gel that was stashed in her top. A star is born in U.S. marathoning, so without further ado, here is Fiona O'Keefe. We're going to keep the U.S. Olympic Marathon Trials recaps coming along. And we've got the women's champion, Fiona O'Keefe, joining us now. Fiona, it's been only a couple days. Has the emotional high and everything subsided yet?
1: Slightly. uh, It definitely still all feels like a little bit surreal and um, a little overwhelming. But um, yeah, still definitely still sinking in.
0: After the race, I mean, just seeing the emotion come out of you, crossing that finish line. Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was a dream fulfilled, I guess. Now, Mission yeah. accomplished. your first ever marathon, crushed it. And at the same time, you make your first Olympic team. For you, has this been a thing ever since you were a kid that, like, you dreamed of?
1: Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I guess I, like, had, like, Olympic aspirations since I was a kid, but um, I feel like that's probably pretty common though. You know, like a lot of kids who play sports think they're going to the Olympics someday, probably. <laughs> um, I probably wasn't thinking specifically like marathon, at least this soon. Um, you know, maybe it was more dreaming about the track at that time because that's what I was doing then. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy having it all come together.
0: I remember sitting down with you in austin just in what was that that was december 2022 Mm -hmm. and i was the one who like kind of floated the idea i was like so fiona are you thinking marathon you're like no i've still got a couple years like on the track so what was the turning point (laughs) you know i guess with Um, you and you know coach alistair and amy craig that you know sped the timeline up a little bit
1: yeah i guess like we were certainly leaving the door open um I was probably just, like, a little bit hesitant to commit to it. (laughs) Um, And I really did want to take 2023 to focus on the track, focus on the 10K. Um, I thought I had a good shot at making that team. Um, Things didn't quite work out um, with the way track season played out. Um, But, yeah, after um, I didn't get to compete at USA's, it was like, okay, like, I want to try to line up and make a team, like, as soon as I can. Like, I'm all in on the marathon
0: and then as for the actual training like what mm-hmm. felt different obviously the volume kind of goes yeah. up mm-hmm. but you missed the the you know the summer track season and i guess the way natasha described it to kyle when she did her interview with him it was like you had a head start on preparing for the trials
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i guess so we kind of started doing like marathon type training um over the summer once i got back into it uh with the idea that you know, maybe um, if this works out, maybe we can get into a fall marathon. Um, but the timeline on that was just like a little bit tight, um, and things weren't coming together like awesome. So I did get in some solid training, but like we took a reset um, after the the World Road Running Championships in October. Um, where I actually did the 5K, funny enough, <laughs> so I was like, "This is awesome," but I'm not sure why you didn't pick me for the half marathon. <laughs> um, so I took a little reset there, and then yeah, built into uh like a proper marathon build up again. Um, and I guess the biggest differences uh compared to track training have just been like the workouts are a little bit more spaced out, higher volume. Um and then really focused on those long run days and building up the volume of the long run itself and uh, long run workouts too.
0: What was it in maybe what the training in park city beforehand that kind of gave you the confidence that, you know, during this marathon, like you look like you were a total pro out there and you were the one (laughs) who kind of stepped on the gas and pressed from the front. Was that something that you were, working on aggressively in practice
1: yeah um so we were we were mostly in albuquerque okay um in the build um at least like the the six weeks leading into it um before we came down to florida um and i did i ended up doing like a good amount of the marathon specific work by myself which um was pretty helpful in the end i think because it was like okay like i'm the one doing this I know I can kind of hold myself to that flame if I need to um I wouldn't say I was like the most calm (laughs) on the inside as I'm making that move (laughs) um but I guess I did have some good confidence at least in like um holding myself to that pace and that effort for a while
0: when Emily Sisson said that she'd spent three weeks in Florida leading into the race that, yeah, it helped because she got a taste of the heat, but at the same time, like, the weather varied so much that you just didn't really know what to expect on race day. What was sort of your key when it came to handling the heat? Because I also did hear the story that is, like, when you were in high school, you would do a lot of runs, what, in the middle of the day?
1: Um, well, we had, like, 4 p.m. practice, and Sacramento's pretty hot. So, like, the first month of, or two of cross-country season was always just, like... Rough. You're running in 100 degree heat and you just deal with it, I guess.
0: And then this time around in Orlando?
1: Yeah, this time around, um, we got down there about 10 days out from the race. Um, because we'd heard from um Randy Wilbur, who's like a sports physiologist, um, that that's about the amount of time, if it's hot, um, that your body really needs to adapt to the heat. Um, and we didn't want to like, you know, come down um, from Albuquerque too early um so that was helpful because when I first got there there were a few like really warm humid days uh like it's 83 degrees and humid um so I guess I got a little bit lucky um hitting that heat right when I got there because yeah then it calmed down to like the 60s and it was really nice um and yeah warmed back up some for the race but um yeah i don't know training in north carolina in the summer honestly is really good prep um even though like i know i don't have any adaptations left over from that uh just (laughs) knowing what that feels like training in a steam bath and then you know you line up and it's 60 and sunny it's like oh this isn't that bad
0: (laughs) for you i guess like the day of the actual race like were their nerves. I just did a whole interview with Connor Mance and I could not mm-hmm. believe just like how scared he was beforehand. He was just sitting down, legs are shaking and like oh
1: well.
0: Wow. He's trying to keep his cool. But for you that mm-hmm. morning, I mean you did have teammates in the race, but mm-hmm. like what were what was your feeling beforehand?
1: Yeah, no, it definitely helped having Natasha there, like just someone to warm up with and we're like, okay, we're gonna like keep a level head. We were we were chatting before we went to warm up and stuff. Um, I was probably more nervous, like the days leading into it than the morning of. Um, How'd you sleep? Pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's pretty common. But yeah, no, I did not sleep very well.
0: What what helped with your composure?
1: Um, The morning of, I think just like knowing that it's happening. um, And, you know, I guess like I had goals going in. Certainly, like I definitely wanted to make the team. Um, but at the same time, I didn't have a lot of external pressure on me coming in, which was nice. Um, and then kind of reminding myself, like at the end of the day, it is another race. I know how to race. Um, and it's a very long race. So like, can't be like super amped up the whole time.
0: There was sort of like this surge from the front with like here to motto very early on. Mm -hmm. And that's when sort of like that breakaway pack was like, Oh no, today, they're running fast. Mm -hmm. Immediately, did you sort of spring into action and wake up and it's like, all right, this is happening now? Like, or how did you handle those early moves?
1: Yeah, I guess I was like, okay, cool. Like, this is going to be a good, honest day. Um, But I'm just going to sit back here and uh, be along for the ride, at least this first eight mile loop.
0: If you look at your watch, did you freak out at all or like even comprehend the
1: pace? not really I actually <laughs> I had to ask Alistair a couple of days before because he was um telling me like yeah you know like 520 is a good number to look for or whatever um and I was like what, what does 520 equate to for America because <laughs> I didn't know so um I would look at my watch a little bit but it didn't mean too much to me
0: the whole time I guess are you sort of sitting on a secret that you're like oh I feel good and I'm gonna go what was the indicator that triggered sort of the green light it's like okay it's time to go
1: so we did start out honest but then it like slowed down significantly for a few miles and I started getting antsy like kind of like I feel good but you know if it's slow for a while that might mean or relatively slow that might mean that somebody like does something crazy like maybe someone's gonna take off with four miles to go running 505s and you know I don't really I don't really want that to happen if there's a group of you know six of us at that point um so I guess yeah I was feeling good and like I could hold a faster pace for um a long ways to the finish um I was not expecting to be the one driving it the whole time um I thought <laughs> uh, someone else would come up and take the lead from me or something um but yeah, once I was out there and like, okay, well, I guess I've committed to this. <laughs> I better keep it going.
0: <laughs> There's an Epic photo of Alistair on the sidelines mm-hmm. shouting at you. I, I don't know what lap it could have been, but what are the in race instructions? And like, you're just at that point, like head up, just still pressing.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that was on the last lap. So he was basically just telling me to stay on it at that point. And, um, he knew that Emily was running strong back there too. So I was probably getting a little bit of info on that as well. I didn't see him too much between like probably like 16 and 19, um, which was, yeah, I definitely went a little bit earlier than we had talked about, but the race also played out a bit differently from what we were expecting.
0: Now in the moment when you're up in the front, is the emotion like running on fear? Like, because it's sort of like you're the one making the race at that point.
1: Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's definitely a mixture of things. I'd say like, at first, it was just like excitement, like, okay, yeah, like, I'm feeling good. Um, like, I'm just gonna go and see what happens. But then, you know, I started to get a little bit like, there were some doubts running through my mind as if, like, nobody else is taking this like what what is going on like um and people are you know like the spectators were amazing um but some of them start telling me with like miles and miles to go like you're gonna make the team and I'm like I don't know like I don't know what's gonna happen three miles from now like this could all go very wrong <laughs> um, so yeah definitely like a little bit of fear, um, a lot of excitement out there. And then just like trying to take it back to just focusing on the effort itself and just like, OK, I just need to focus on running hard, getting through the next mile, getting to the next bottle stop, all that.
0: The presenting sponsor of the Sidious Mac podcast is Olipop. You know, we've been pounding Olipop for over a year now. 2023 was a track season to remember and Sidious Mag was able to be there for all of the big moments thanks to the incredible support of Ollipop. What has become known as the Runner soda isn't just a great companion for pregame shows or post-race shows or if you're just watching at home and want to crack a can of Ollipop open yourself, it's good for you too. It's a prebiotic soda with nine grams of fiber, which is 32% of your daily needs, that only has two to five grams of sugar and helps your digestive health in a way that a threshold workout never could. We love it because there are 15 incredible flavors that will keep your body refreshed and ready to go for the next workout. My current favorite is lemon lime. Caitlin Tui's number one flavor is ginger lemon. There are other great flavors like vintage cola, tropical punch, orange squeeze, cherry vanilla, and I'm hearing rumors of another one coming soon. Sidious Mac podcast listeners get 25% off non subscription orders by using code Sidious25 at checkout at drinkollipop.com. You can also find Olipop at Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, Target, Walmart, Publix, and most recently, they just got added to Costco. So, pro tip there. Next time you're looking for a refreshing and healthy drink after that long run or hard workout, reach for an Ollipop. You won't be disappointed. Drinkollipop.com code Sidious 25 You are natural out there. I mean, just even no fueling issues, nothing. Cause I I guess what would what are the little areas for you're like, okay, next time I'll do this better.
1: I I was pretty proud of myself for grabbing most of the bottles. Um But I was also like kind of gauging off um, some of the other women out there. Like I saw Sarah Hall grab just one of the plain water bottles and dump it on her head. So I was like, okay, that's smart. I'll do that. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, definitely like looking around at some of the more experienced people helped. Um, I did miss one of my bottles because mine were like really far down the line and in the second row in um because there were like two rows of bottles on some of the tables um and i went to grab it and i just missed it so um that was the only one that i actually didn't get but was that late um no it was at mile 10 so it was one that i really wanted actually um but that's when um i was able to just use the gel that i brought with me
0: okay we have to talk about I know. the gel <laughs> that you carried to the finish line yes How painful was the shower afterwards?
1: Um, it was, it was not great. Um, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I'd say, like, there was enough else going on that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't as bad as it looked. I think part of it was the dumping water on myself, you know, like soaked through the blood, um, and made it spread out more. But
0: yeah. (laughs) Did you feel it at any point?
1: Not much, honestly. Um, there's so
0: much adrenaline happening right yeah
1: yeah yeah i didn't i didn't actually know what was happening until like there's the lead vehicle and then there's the guy like on the motorbike next to it and he goes like he said something to them around like i don't know mile 20 like what's like what's on her bib and i looked down and i was like oh oops (laughs)
0: Well, the thing was, it was, like the broadcast didn't do you any favors or there was enough commercials that I was like, they cut it back and now you've got blood all over you. And I was like, <laughs> oh, she must have had a nosebleed like in the middle of oh, the race. Yeah. But later on, we found out it was the chafing from, from the gel yeah. that was in there. Are you planning on washing the top or is this sort of like, no, this belongs in a museum?
1: Um, <laughs> so some of the sports marketing people from Puma actually like uh, wanted to keep it so um they it's, have theirs it now. Now. it's theirs now yeah oh Civil that's property. gonna be amazing
0: <laughs> it's gonna be framed uh do you have any plans to keep any of the other stuff like from the day they obviously gave you a medal or I guess they have the bib but how do you want to remember this like you know years down the road you know is there gonna be something hanging up in your place
1: oh gosh you know I I don't know I I I'm barely like absorbing that it's happened so i haven't really thought about how i'll remember it <laughs> just
0: <laughs> no it's it's totally fair uh and i'm sure like you'll get a bunch of more cool gear in the coming weeks and they'll you know i think it's the the funniest thing about like the chafing thing was that when we posted the photo of it the people reposting it was like oh this is the most relatable thing in the world like i think you found. Yeah. Hundreds more fans who, like, one were <laughs> impressed by the run on Saturday, but now are like, oh my gosh, she's just like me. That's happened to me before. Mm-hmm. What has that been like, I guess, since the race? Just sort of like the public reception to, I mean, just numbers wise, I think someone did a screenshot and like posted it, like your Instagram following has like tripled or whatever it might be.
1: It's, yeah, it's more than tripled. Um, because <laughs> I, I honestly, like, I just didn't have that many followers on there before. I think it was like something like 3,000. Um I want to say it's about 10 times that now. Um wow. yeah, so like that. it's interesting. Um yeah, it's it's been a little bit um overwhelming. I'm like, okay, like a lot more eyes on there all of a sudden. So I've just been trying to like get caught up on messages and stuff and um be a little more on top of it. Um <laughs> yeah.
0: What are you hoping, I guess, like more people, obviously people maybe started following because of the performance or whatever it might be, but what's the one thing that they, you want them to learn about like, Oh, Fiona O'Keefe is blank. Like, what are you big into? Or like off the, you know, outside of being a competitor, you know, in running, what are some of your other interests that like, Hey, you know what, if you also like this, I also post about this kind of stuff.
1: You know, I'm a big lover of the outdoors and nature and, I really love the way that you know running can connect us to those outdoor spaces. Um, I recognize that's also privileged, and that you know not everyone is able to run somewhere beautiful every day. But we do all utilize the outdoors, and you know depend on having like clean air um, and stuff for for running. So I care a lot about the environment, um, and I'm hoping to do a little more, um, advocacy, uh, in terms of that on my social media, I guess.
0: No, that's awesome. You were, cause you were earth systems major at Stanford, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What was, what was that like? I guess like, cause you know, it was funny. I was at the armory the other week and like, you see the Cornell kids just with their books, like sitting by mm-hmm. the track for you, I guess, balancing school and athletics, like, you know, as an earth, uh, systems major, what was that like?
1: Yeah, I was definitely busy. Um, I guess it was, like, very normalized uh, at Stanford to be busy, and um, my major was kind of intermediate, I guess, in terms of the time commitment. Like, one of my good friends was a computer science major, and her, like, her work schedule was absolutely insane. Um, So I was busy, but it was manageable, um, especially after the first couple years. Like, I kind of chilled out a little bit um because it is like that competitive academic culture that you can get sucked into and once i was like okay i don't i don't fully need to buy into this you know i can um i can do well and focus on the classes that matter to me and then kind of you know um do what i need to do in the rest
0: that's awesome are you going to be the type like grant fisher's got i don't know how many degrees from stanford (laughs) at this point but you know, outside of your running, have you still taken classes afterwards? Or like, w- w- to what extent, I guess, did you take sort of your education?
1: Um, well, so I started a graduate program at University of New Mexico. Oh, um, nice. I, yeah, yeah. Um, and I really loved it there. Um, in Albuquerque, um, I was living with my younger sister who went to school there um, and was on the team for a while. So that was a lot of fun. Um but it was during COVID. So it was all online. um, And I was trying to learn how to code by myself and stuff like that. Um, And I realized that I was more passionate about the running the graduate school. um, And that's about when I turned pro. (laughs) Um, So I really admire people who are able to do like intense jobs or um, high level academic programs along with the Super high level training, but I find that like the more I run, the dumber I get. Uh, yes. So <laughs> I don't think a, a graduate degree is in the cards anytime soon.
0: <laughs> That's so funny because now you're going to be a marathoner, so there's going to be so much more running. <laughs> <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Um, looking, I guess, back at the time when you know you turned pro and you signed with Puma lee you're one of the first athletes I think, like right, to, mm-hmm. to join the team this past weekend was like a pivotal moment for the team and just like just it validates everything about amy and alistair and like that belief that you had when you signed up to run for them Mm -hmm. i'm sure like what was that first conversation like when you are discussing long-term goals with alistair and amy and then was it did it come full circle on saturday
1: yeah i guess in a way so yeah just to like go back to the beginning, Taylor Werner, um, Mm -hmm. was like the very first person to sign with the team. Um, and then I signed right after her. Um, we'd always like, you know, been kind of on a similar level in college. She had like, she had more success than I did, honestly. Um, she ran that, it was the, I think it was the collegiate record at the time in the indoor 5k. Um, so I just looked at her signing with them and I thought, okay, like, um, she would be a great person to train with. I really like her too. Like it would be a fun teammate. Um, so that was a big draw. And then, yeah, um, my old college coach was also out in North Carolina, coach Milt. Um, and he'd said really good things about the training situation there. And I thought it would be nice to just, you know, have someone out there who I was familiar with and, you know, could lean on for advice and that kind of thing. Um, But then, yeah, starting to talk with Alistair, um, I was really excited about his ambition and excitement for the team. Um, He wanted to create a situation where we would be contending for world teams, Olympic teams, and um, eventually contending on those bigger stages as well. And, yeah, it's – at first, like, hearing those goals sounded a little bit scary. um, Exciting, but scary. So it's just – really cool to start seeing some of it actually come together um but yeah i would like to point out that i'm definitely not the first one on the team to like do good things or make teams like uh, pat tiernan turned in an awesome performance in houston um and just seeing people like uh, rose harvey and sarah vaughn run so fast in chicago has given me like a lot of confidence in um, their ability to prepare us for the marathon
0: how'd you guys celebrate
1: it was pretty low-key, honestly. Um, yeah, because th- right after, there's a lot with um, interviews and drug testing and all that. Um, and then we ended up at some, like, little brewery. Uh, oh, yeah, I was there. The I saw you there. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> that night. Um, when you and you got the Pro Bowl, I
0: think, on Sunday?
1: Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, like, a, a last-minute invite. But, yeah, that was funny. Um, I was there with... Uh, the two Pascals who worked for Puma, um, Pascal Dobert and Pascal Rowling, who's like um, head of sports marketing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's French. So it was his first um, NFL event ever. Oh, um, wow. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, is there anything else that you kind of while you're on this break that you kind of want to just take time to enjoy? Like, was this a big deal back in Clovis? Like, what's what, where else has the celebration been going off?
1: Yeah, I guess, like, coming back to Sacramento and Davis, like, um, yeah, people are like, oh, my gosh, like, (laughs) I know we're from high school, blah, blah, blah. Um, But, yeah, I've been keeping it, like, pretty, pretty chilled, trying to uh, come back down to earth. But just seeing family and friends has been really nice. Um, And then I'll do some of the stuff that I don't get to do as much while I'm training, like, go on some good hikes, go out, see some music, that kind of thing.
0: Do you anticipate possibly being, I, first Olympic team, it's a big deal, you know, taking the whole thing in, like, or, like, spending some time, probably, St. Moritz is kind of, like, the best place to to go train, but, you know, some time in Europe, like, what are the plans around, have you gotten that far into thinking, you know, plans around the Olympics, opening ceremonies, all that stuff
1: gosh yeah not not a whole lot yet um yeah i don't even know what the next couple months look like just yet <laughs> um but yeah i'm very excited i imagine we'll do some altitude training over the summer um and then yeah yeah i i don't really know what it looks like to get ready for the olympics so I guess yeah i
0: know <laughs> no you're gonna have a blast well Fiona, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to do this and, you know, catching up after just an amazing performance. You're a marathoner now. Like it, it, it's, it's, that's, it's really cool. Cause it's like, when we take inventory of just you know, one fastest debut ever in American history and, you know, beating the American record holder and just like a loaded field, the people who weren't, didn't make it to the race, unfortunately, the likes of like Emma Bates and Molly Seidel, like we're in a great moment for women's marathoning. And now you're just, you've arrived and that's really cool.
1: Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, it's really exciting to be a part of it and, uh yeah, there's definitely like a lot of precedent that's been set. Um like I it felt a little less crazy to debut at the trials after seeing what Molly did four years ago. Um and yeah, I'm just really excited about where the sport is right now and this this really high level group of female marathoners that the u.s has going
0: you guys set the bar way too high for half marathon qualifiers for 2028 it's like at this point (laughs) one of you has to make the team
1: yep yep (laughs) it's the rules now
0: thanks so much for doing this fiona
1: yeah thank you chris
0: Thank you all for listening to this episode. This episode was produced by Jasmine Fair. I love doing this for you guys, so please do me a favor and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify that helps us grow the show and get even more awesome guests. Let me know what you're enjoying about the show. Make sure you're subscribed or following on your favorite podcast players. Please share this episode with your friends if you think that they'll get any value or inspiration out of it. Let's build this thing together. Visit SidiousMag.com for a lot more. We've got a brand new website with tons more articles, videos, and podcasts. As always, I love track and field. I'm Chris Chavez. See you next time.